Hello, I'm Emily. I'm Catherine, Emily's mom and substitute co-host. Yes. And this is Macabre Minds. Yeah. Featuring my dog running in the background. Anyway. <laughs> um, so this case today we are both pretty familiar with. Oh my right? god. It's a doozy. Yeah. Um, so it's the abduction of Jan Broberg is what we're going to talk about today. Um, it's a pretty well-known case, so maybe you've already heard of it, but it's just too odd not to talk about. Agreed. Yeah. And I don't know, we were trying to decide if you had done this on your podcast, but Casey and I have not done this case, but I don't think you have because I... I mean, as far back as the episodes that I could look at of yours. Yeah, I looked I back as far as you did to um, mine. So when we say that we're talking about my podcast with Tracy DeGraff, mm-hmm. comedian, and our podcast called Life Happens, Laugh Anyway. And I couldn't find that we covered that episode or that documentary either. Yeah. But I look earlier than the 54th episode. But I'm certain we didn't do it before that anyway. Yeah. I'm just familiar with it from uh, seeing the documentary. Yeah. And then there was the the new show about it, like the scripted show on Peacock that I think we both watched that one too. Yeah. You know what I love about the, the actual film they made is the, they really did authentic um that 70s authentic look like it was totally spot on in terms of yeah before, clothing and cars and the whole bit yeah it was so yeah this is about the broberg family um bob broberg is the father marianne is the mother and then their three daughters jan who is the oldest karen their middle child and susan their youngest and this was in the 70s in Pocatello, Idaho. Ooh, you say and... that so <laughs> Pocatello. <laughs> so exotic, Idaho. <laughs> um so Robert B. Birch told um met Marianne Broberg in church. He was a guy with five daughters and a wife, and they were like family people and their two families became very very close very quickly and they started calling him b which is what i'm gonna call him because the dad of jan and him have the same name so yeah so back up a little because i've seen it and i was confused so Mm -hmm. yeah two bobs yeah okay and so we want to make that clear and um bob who's the father of jan Mm mm-hmm What's his last name? Broberg. So it's Bob Broberg and Bob Birchtold. So okay, no BBs. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So it's confusing. But we want to make sure our audience knows that Bob, the dad, mm-hmm. Broberg. Yes. It? Yes. Okay. He, uh, he, did, he didn't meet his wife in church. The other guy did, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. So okay. Marianne Broberg met the Birch Told family at church. Okay. She met them first. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So there these people, we want to point that out too, are church going people. Not that that means it's the be all end all of yeah. goodness. Um, but that does play into this mm-hmm. nativity. Na- how do you say that? naivete naivete of bob the dad yeah bob the dad oh i forget so i'm gonna call it bob the dad bob and b is gonna be b or birch told his last name when i'm talking okay um he very quickly had this fascination with jan their oldest daughter um 
But Jan felt he was like another father figure. Like their families were so close and she completely trusted him and thought of him as like part of the family. And so did her parents, really. Um, so even though they had they knew it was like he was extra fixated on Jan, they didn't think it was very like nefarious, I guess. Yeah, and that's the part that is so hard for watchers to wrap mm-hmm. their brain around it, especially if you were brought up, you know, in the past four decades or whatever. Well, I was brought up during that era, but yeah. Oh my gosh, my parents were always, especially my mom, extremely sensitive to, let's just say, perverts and pedophiles and that type yeah. of thing. Like they were always cautious. Like, what? Okay, I'll let you tell the story though. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, I got to play some kind of part in this. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't mind. Sorry. Um. On October 17th, 1974, B called Marianne, said he wanted to take Jan horseback riding. And she said, oh, it's a school night. I don't know if that's a good idea. But he convinced her that I'll pick her up and take her real quick and it'll be fine. So she agreed. And when he picked up Jan, he gave her an allergy pill to be with around the horses. Um. But obviously, it was not an allergy pill, and she passed out in the car, and she didn't make it. What? Let's, like, tell the listeners, how was he able to just give her a pill? You got got to fill them in on that. An allergy pill. Well, she just, he just said it was an allergy pill, and she just trusted him. It's like, oh, Oh, yeah. She had allergies, and she did normally take allergy pills right why would he be giving them to her is the part that's like wait a minute what's up with that how did he become the allergy pill dispenser person and not the family you know but he was considered part of the family so she didn't think anything of it like he knew she had allergies he was to her he was being like the responsible adult I guess, yeah. Yeah. Um, so she didn't make it home for dinner like she was supposed to. And they become worried. <clears throat> no phone call either. Yeah. But B's wife, Gail, did not want to involve the police. And she said, oh, it's probably nothing. Like, it's not a big, a big deal. But after two days of them being gone, her parents finally insisted on getting police involvement. And they called the FBI on Saturday, but their office was closed for the weekend. And they said, well, we'll call back on Sunday. If they're not back by Sunday evening, we'll call again. So obviously they did not come back and they called the FBI and an agent came over to talk to them. And even though they were worried, her parents still did not believe that this was, like, a kidnapping. They were like, oh, they must have gone someplace and something happened. Like, they really didn't believe that he would do that. Hmm. And the FBI agent had to convince them, yeah, this is kidnapping. That's what kidnapping is, taking your child someplace where you don't know where they are. Right, right. So they found Bob's car, or B's car, um, Mm -hmm. with blood on the window, and the car was broken from the inside out. And then there were motorhome tracks going away from the car. So the car, they believe, was obviously planted to make it look like something had happened to them. Like, he was trying to make it look like he wasn't the perpetrator. What? They don't know at this point that it was planted. Well, they suspected it. Already at this point they did? Like this guy? Really? Yeah, the FBI are on to him right away, even though her parents weren't. They were like, no, this is weird. They didn't think that there was an actual... um, No. They just completely thought right away that it was staged. They, I think they could tell, like, there are signs when things are staged, you know. 
when people yeah. stage fights in their house and stuff like that. Yeah, I see. Um, yeah. So Joe Birch told, which is B's brother, said, you know, I always suspected that he was or I always knew that he was like into children and kind of a pedophile and that when B was 12, he had tried to be sexual with their six year old half sister. So, kind of already like had a pattern with it and gail was kind of aware of it too his wife and neither of them just like really <laughs> did or said anything yeah which is probably why she didn't want to get the police involved right she wanted to whatever lifestyle she had or whatever mm-hmm. he kind of and he has five daughters of his own and i kind of like wonder like in his brain if there's like well, not my kids, but someone else's. But then, that I don't know. The daughters, if I remember right, you could correct me if I'm wrong, they did not want to be interviewed for the documentary, and they denied any accusations toward their father. Is that right? Um, I, th- I would assume so because they're not i've seen like two different documentaries and the scripted show and i've never heard of them being involved with any of those and they've never said or given any interviews that i've seen so yeah yeah. um and the fbi found out that he had tried to get close to two other little girls in ponte or pocatello I said that so well earlier. Yeah. Um, but their parents had cut them off from him right away when they suspected it, unlike Jan's parents, because they did not suspect it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jan and Karen had shared a big bedroom, and B was actually the one who was like, oh, they should have their own bedrooms. They're growing girls, and he actually built a wall for yeah. them between oh, their rooms. Yeah, oh gosh. Terrible. Yeah. I forgot about that. And Jan remembers waking up at their house one time the, at the Birch Tolds because she was hanging out with their daughters. Um, and her underwear was around her ankles and he was like lying there next to her. And well, weren't they out in the yard? Like they had a they did they did have that as well. Yeah, they would like sleep under on uh, like on the trampoline sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um and he told her that she was like tossing and turning in her sleep and she must have like done it herself. And she was like, "Okay, you know, out and of it, not really thinking." I have to point out she adored B. Yeah. Like not the mom, yeah. but adored him. Mhm. So, so there's that. He was very charming and like he knew exactly what to say to make everyone like really like him and trust him. Yeah, he's like the the fun dad. Well, in her case, yeah, you know, family friend dad, but anyway. Yeah. Uh in June of 1973, Jan went on a vacation with the Birch Tolds, and one night at dinner. Jan apparently was like talking nonsensically and like rocking back and forth and acting strange. And she remembers being very groggy. And he was like, Oh, I'll take her back up to the hotel room. You guys keep enjoying dinner. So obviously he had like drugged her. And Mm -hmm. she remembers all she can remember from that night is seeing him naked in the hotel room. He was just like standing there, maybe like exposing himself to her. Yeah. But wait, wait. Just he and her are in the hotel room? Yes. Yeah. The others are still at dinner. He was like, oh, Jan's tired. Let me take her up to the room. Put her to bed. Ugh. And the wife. I mean, come on. Right. She should have been like, I'll do it. Like, Well, she should have absolutely stopped it at the very least. Right. That is very odd. A lot of people who could have done and said something in this case and they don't it's very odd oh makes me sad for her for jan sad but gag yeah that too um so jan's 
So B had been working to get close to Jan for quite a while. In 1972, this is two years before her abduction, B starts to try to seduce Marianne, her mother, and Marianne actually, she ended up going on a trip with him and she the kissed mom. Yeah, her mom. She like really? kissed him and got like touchy, but they did not have sex at this time. Well, and let's explain how this could even happen. Well, he's so charming, B mm-hmm. is so charming that he was able to literally charm the pants off of uh, mom. Yeah, pretty much. Not his wife, mom, but no, the neighbor, family, friend, Jan's mom, as you said. Yeah. And, and so sh- now he's got this hanging over her head, right? Because she exactly, exactly. And he didn't do it because he like cared for her at all. It was literally to get to Jan to have something over her. Yes. Yeah. A manipulation tactic. And then he also targeted her father, Jan's father, Bob. So B had told Bob that he couldn't stand his wife, Gail, and they never had sex. And he just, like, needed some relief. And he's like, could you just, like, help me out? And alone in a car when this is Mm -hmm. And he manages to convince Bob, a totally straight man. Straight laced. To help him out. Yeah. Yes. Can you believe that? Like the kind of manipulation you can have on a person. Beyond. And and so let's let's just tell the audience this too. That advance years and years later and the documentary, they they interview Bob Jan's dad, the Mm -hmm. one who was convinced to help the other Bob B out by satisfying him because the poor man doesn't get any sex at all well how on earth i mean okay so this is gonna sound really weird but (laughs) imagine like your dad my husband (laughs) being told by anybody hey times are tough in the bedroom with my wife uh would you mind helping me out friend i mean no way are you no absolutely not and and this man, years later, he tries to explain it. He's like, I I, I don't know. I yeah. mean, he was that convincing, and he he's in tears as he's. And yeah. Would ne- not only would I not, I can't even imagine like falling into that, but allowing myself to be interviewed on about it. Mm-hmm. What is the payoff? I, I just don't get it. But anyway, yeah, I, I did feel bad for the guy because he's like, I don't know. And he, he was, so this goes to show how naive this couple was. They are, truly. Like, they just, they don't know anything. Or, yeah. And they did They're try to be able to see through it. We were just so um, sheltered. And then we do have to be reminded that in the 70s, it wasn't as prevalent as it is today in regards to that kind of you know sexual predator it i think that it was but it was much more concealed yeah like um there's so many other ways to expose people today i see you're my <laughs> getting bored <laughs> like a toy i know um yeah yeah. and like we said earlier with marianne now they both have a secret from each other and he's doing it purely to divide them and get more access to jan through that yeah um and in 1974 he was actually reprimanded by the church because of his involvement with a little girl and they sent him to go see a therapist about it and the parents, Jan's parents, still. I don't well, know if they even knew about it. Oh, wait. Uh, yes, they did. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. On the board, too, or something. Yeah. But, so, actually, no, go on. I'm getting all worked up about it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, 
so he goes to see this therapist and B went to Jan's parents. He told them that spending time with their daughters was part of his therapy. Like it would be therapeutic for me. That's right. Yeah. So not only do they know about him being reprimanded at church. And was he kicked out? Did you say? I don't think so. Okay. So not all, but they know about it, that he was inappropriate with a young girl. I'm not entirely sure if they knew the reason. Okay. But they knew he was going to therapy and B told them that in his therapy sessions, he revealed that he had had sex with an aunt of his when he was like four years old. So they think it's like an a mental, like, He's mommy so issue, whatever. Yeah. Um. So well, of course they have those sexual intimacy secrets hanging over their heads, too. Yes, that as well. And so... B convinces them, like, I need to spend time with your daughters, Jan in particular, um, because it'll just help me get better or whatever. Like, no mention, like, oh, let me just spend time with my own children. Yeah, it it has to be Jan. It has to be Jan. Yeah. And so... Have we said how old Jan is, by the way? Jan is 12 when this starts. Yeah. Um, and so he would lay down with Jan in bed at night. And with the newly divided wall between her and her sister. Yes. And he would like play these tapes that the therapist gave him. And they were like really weird. I'm not entirely sure what was on them, but like just weird things. Like and, images or something. Um, her parents were like not thrilled about it, but they thought it was like going to help him. So, like, they just allowed this man to lay in bed with their daughter, like, all the time. Oh, God. He would sleep in her bed four times a week for six months. Okay. Let's (laughs) try to comprehend that. He would sleep lying next to her in her parents' house, and she's 12 years old, for his so-called therapy. How often? Four times a week for six months. Oh my god. No. No. Could not. I would never, ever. No. I don't care how good of a family friend you are. No. Or how bad your sin was in terms of what it's your daughter. Mm Mm-hmm. So even though I wow. Yeah. And all of that time, he had been giving her sleeping pills every night that he was there to molest her. And neither her or her parents were aware because she was asleep. She doesn't know what's what he's doing when she's sleeping. Did he? Was he still saying they were allergy pills at this time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the first time it happened, Jan had to have awakened and then been, you know, either bleeding or would have felt some discomfort so i wonder what she would have thought well, I can't re- that actually never really happened she when she talks about it she said he was very careful well, not funny. yeah he didn't like actually well that's go all the way you know i think she's so messed up that she's misinterpreting yeah i i don't believe that for a second I mean, well, the doctors, we'll see, the doctors confirmed it. They, when they examined her, like, he did not, like, break her hymen or anything. Like, he didn't, yeah. Hmm. Forgot about that, but still. Yeah. It's, like, it was happening, but he was, like, I'm going to be careful about it so that I can have deniability when she does get examined. Yeah. The guy just got off on. Oh, he got off on a lot. Yeah. Oh, so the FBI actually had to be the ones to break it to her parents 
what a pedophile was and what child molestation was. They were so naive. They didn't even know that was a thing. They didn't know that was a thing people did. They had never heard of those words before. They forgot about that. Yeah. Like they were, and like even the FBI agents were like, you guys are so naive. Like they couldn't believe it. That's right. Because they interview the FBI guy and were like, yeah, we had to tell them. That's how naive they were. Yeah. Well, and the word pedophile wasn't tossed around like it is today back in 70s. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. So that's a thing, too. Mm-hmm. So for Jan, all this time, that is while she was abducted, um, on the very first day of her abduction, when she wakes up, she's restrained on a bed and she hears this distorted voice talking to her through this like recording box. And yeah, here it comes. It says the voice says their names are Zeta and Zethra and that they were aliens. And they told her her biological father is not Bob, but this alien. So she's half alien. Yes. And did you say where they are? They're in. She doesn't know, but she's like in a motor home. Like tied up on a bed. Okay. Yeah. Um, and this recording comes through in a like a little box on a nightstand yeah. next to her. Um, and so the voice says she had a mission to do, that she was going to be given a male companion that she had to have a child with by the time she turns sixteen to save this alien planet. And if she couldn't do it, then they would turn to her sister Susan who was also half alien. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and then that's when um, Jan, I think she like falls back asleep. And then when she wakes up again, the restraints are gone and she sees that it's B there with her and that he is her male companion. Um, And she's actually relieved wow. because she knows him and she's like, Oh, this person I trust is in this with me, you know? She literally loves him. Yeah. And he had blood on him and was cut up. And he told her that they saw a bright light and the car started to shake and they got in this accident. And um, the aliens, like, told him he had to do this, too. So she thinks they're both being, like, duped and forced into this together and she totally believes this situation she totally believes everything and let's let's give the audience um a little backstory too in that time the early 70s um spaceships and alien talk and all of that was very popular at the time i don't know if that's when space invaders of the last kind or whatever the name of that steven spielberg close encounters yeah close encounters um, but alien talk was very, very, and sci-fi stuff was really booming at that time. So yeah. for, for a young, impressionable 12-year-old girl who's under the, I don't even want to say tutelage, I don't know why that word came to my mind, but under the, um, uh, brainwashing power of B, that's how she can sort of absorb this and, and believe in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Are you looking after at a few weeks uh, of them being like traveling through this motorhome together? He's having her read these books about sex, and then the voices on the box say, "It's time for you to do what makes people happy." Is what they said. Quote, and. So that's when their sexual encounters start in this motorhome. Um, And then on November 20th, after 35 days of them being missing, B calls his brother Joe and says, I need written permission from Marianne to be married. That he had married Jan in Mexico, but it was not legal in the U.S., so they wanted to come back, but he needed permission from her mom. And they tapped 
the FBI tapped his brother's phone. Because the brother turned him in to the Yeah. So that they would be able to trace them where they were in Mexico. And the Mexican police are contacted. They kick down the door of the motorhome, take him to prison. And Jan's freaking out. Like, she thinks, like, oh, my God, what's going to happen to us? We can't. What are the aliens going to do to us is what she's thinking about. Because they told also, I think I said it. They told her, like, they were going to take Susan and that if she didn't do what the aliens wanted to they were going to make her sister karen go blind they also yeah they meaning the voice over the box yeah yeah (laughs) um so she's freaking out and b tells her hey tell your family i took i just took you on vacation and yeah i took you farther than i should have and since we were in mexico i couldn't get like phone service or whatever and that's all he said don't talk about zeta and zethra um he said there are four things specifically you cannot talk about so she was forbidden to talk about zeta and zethra the pills that he was giving her the mission or any of their sexual experiences And she was also told she can't speak to any men, even her father or her sister Karen, would go blind and they would kill her father. And they said she would also be vaporized. They were going to vaporize her. So they being like, yeah, the aliens that supposedly were real. (laughs) Um, So Bob and Marianne flew to Mazatlan, I think is how you say it. Um, to bring Jan home and their marriage is annulled and this is when they have her examined and the physician says there are no signs of sexual abuse or sexual trauma so they believe they were relieved they were like oh he didn't he didn't do that so they didn't know that he was doing that like he was having sex with her just not he you know he made sure there was no evidence of it And Jan herself even says she remembers it never being, like, this violent kind of rape that a lot of women talk about and experience. Like, it wasn't like that. But she does acknowledge, like, it was obviously rape. But, yeah. Yeah, she's, like, I think, well, she's in therapy by the time they interview her, right? But she still has this fondness toward B, but... The reason she doesn't think of it as a violent rape is because she was drugged. Right. And so anyway, it's it's stick. So coffee break. We'll we, be back. Right now? Yeah. Oh. All right. We're back from our coffee break. Where was I? <laughs> uh, um, we left off with so um B is in jail. Oh, yes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's only been 10 minutes, and I'm like, Where? Yeah. what am I doing? Um, okay, so Jan seems to recover quickly, seemingly. Like, she acts normal. She's going to school. But she said at this time, she was just constantly thinking about B and, like, how are we going to finish this mission? It's all on me and things like that. You know, she still fully has that mindset. This is a perfect example of the power of brainwashing. Oh, yeah. He is back in the real world at school with her peers. Mm -hmm. Certainly she could, if she wasn't brainwashed, see what normal life is like. Nobody else is worried about an alien mission. Right things like that so yeah it's just uh, the power of brainwashing is so powerful mm-hmm. um the fbi had instructed the brobergs not to talk to any of the birch tolds not to have any contact with them but gail comes to visit and they oh. let her in oh. wife. and gail said you need to drop all these charges against my husband i want you to drop all the charges and sign these affidavits saying that jan was not kidnapped or forcibly taken or i'm going to reveal what went on between 
both of you in B. Wait, how does she know? She knows. But B must have told her to tell him. Yeah, he must have. And that she just... uh, I don't... Gail is... mm -mm. She's not it. Because she just agrees to do that. Like, oh, man. Um, But what's even more shocking is that the Brobergs agree to that. They say, okay, because they didn't want that out. Yeah. And they and put I'm themselves sure. before their daughter, pretty much. They did. Absolutely. Uh, now, we could say they're naive. We could say this. But they are definitely putting themselves before their daughter. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm sure the threat. These are church-going people. Mm-hmm. Back in the early 70s. Modesty. And, um, you know, straight lace kind of uh, way of living is much more prevalent than, than, than now. So the threat of being exposed, especially Bob, the dad, you know, it's, it's bad enough for the wife to have an affair with B, but the dad, yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Scandalous. Very scandalous. Yeah. But. We know. Unfortunately, they did sign those affidavits. So the charges were dropped and everything. And the U.S. federal attorney was livid with them. Yes, yes, yes. I remember too. All the officers and attorneys and everything were calling them like, why would you do that? Why did you do that? What is wrong with you? Yeah. And. But the community that they lived in welcomed B back saying, I'm so sorry you've been ill and I'm sorry you went through that. And he's just welcomed back like nothing ever happened. Oh, like they're not even he has not just them fooled. He has the whole community fooled. Unbelievable. And one night, of course, Jan is woken by these voices again and B is in her room saying there was a plan for them to continue the mission and it was going to happen. And she would get these notes to go places at certain times and wait for instructions. And she got these love letters from him. And Jan began writing letters to him back, like love letters. And she even told her mother that she wanted to marry B and have kids with him so this fatherly love she had for him had kind of shifted through their supposed shared trauma bonding you know that they were going through this together yeah Yeah. and she really believed she was like romantically in love with him now and now now i'm perplexed and puzzled like how did that happen how did it shift from a fatherly type figure to a romantic in in the documentary she said that at some point when it first started she had questioned how strange she thought it was that he was like this 40 year old man and she was like 12 but then as time went on she started to think well i'm part alien and that in itself is so strange i'm not human so these Things that are strange like that, in her mind, she starts to think it doesn't really apply to them because they're not human and they're not, they're more alien. And, you know, like that's how she explained it in the documentary of that like shift in her brain. Okay. About it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I- she thought of him as a comfort, mm-hmm. even. Yeah. Like that. Um, in the spring of 1975, B said, Marianne, can we just meet to talk about everything that's happened? And she said, why did you marry my daughter? Like, why did you do that when you were in Mexico? And he was like, I'll tell you. Let's just meet up and talk about it. And she did. Marianne met up with him. Stupidly. After the strict instruction Mm -hmm. from the FBI. Yeah. And B springs this new story that I'm in love with you, Marianne. I'm in love with you. And you need to get divorced from your husband. Mm. And we'll be together. And 
they ended up sleeping together and starting this affair. Yeah. No. Can you believe that? You know this person abducted your daughter and is a pedophile. God. I just, oh my God. No question. They definitely are putting themselves first before the daughter. Yes. No matter how naive you are. And I think, doesn't the mom, Marianne, admit that later? Yes, they both say that. They both say that in the documentary. And our Mm -hmm. marriage was dry and he was exciting and believable and all this stuff. And Marianne in the documentary says he made her forget that she was in love with her husband. She says that, like, the way he paid attention to her just made her feel like it was different and real and she was stupid yeah Yeah. and so marianne continues this affair and now she really believes herself to be in love with b like in love with him and she had allowed him visitations with jan during this period cannot believe my god i forgot that yeah so bob files for divorce and said marianne you need to leave the house because you are endangering the girls especially jan with this relationship yeah and b says i'll find you a new home and a new life and we can be together and that's kind of when marianne was like oh my god like no, I can't do this. I don't want a divorce from my husband. I do love him and I want my family back. And this is crazy what I've been doing. And she swore to like cut B out of her life that she would not go back to him. And they stayed together, her and Bob. They, but Bob, her husband. Bob, her husband. Yeah. Yeah. I was, as you were discussing this, I was trying to remember if they stayed together or not that takes her parents i feel so up and down about like i blame them a lot but i but they're so dumb like naive isn't even like cutting it you know know, you you nailed it naive is naive but they they literally are dumb I'm sorry, and I can't help but think, like, what kind of career did he have, the dad, you know? He like... had a florist shop. Oh. Um, yeah. So we ran a business. Mm-hmm. He owned it, so that takes, you know, you can't be a dummy doing that, but. But they're, I socially, they know nothing, you mm-hmm. know? They, they didn't see themselves as being manipulated. They didn't see that he was, well, Bob did eventually. He was like, Marianne, this affair with you is to get to Jan. At that point, he had realized that, but she didn't. Did he? Did he? Okay. Yeah. Um. Mm. But I, I don't know. I kind of it. So many people break up marriages for so many reasons, and to stay together through all of that—that that, that's good crazy. But also well, good for them, I guess. I do think that good yeah. for them that they have worked through it. I'm sure they went to counseling. Oh, for sure. How could you not? But then again, we say that, and yet what they did was so unbelievable that I guess they didn't go to counseling. It wouldn't surprise me because <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Um. Yeah. So B. Meanwhile takes this plea deal of guilty to kidnapping. He's sentenced to five years, but only serves 45 days. And he moves to Wyoming and buys this family fun center that he starts running. Why? Family fun center? I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. A pedophile's dream. Right. right? Yeah. How does he even have money to do that after being in jail? And Honestly, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, also, why is he why was he out in 45 days? Um you know? I don't know. Technicalities, good behavior, things like that. 
bad legal justice system. Yeah, that, exactly. Wow. And Jan wanted to work there over the summer, like, so badly. She insisted that she should be able to work for him over in Wyoming. And she said, if I... If you don't let me go, I'm just going to walk there myself. And how old and is she by then? She's 13 at this time. Yikes. And her mom said, well, I can't let you do that. And sent her on a plane to go over there. Got her a plane ticket. Oh. Her father was furious. Like, oh, how God. did you let that happen? Embarrassing, too. Yeah. So Jan was there for two weeks. Uh, before her father came to pick her up mm-hmm. and Jan is furious and she's scared too. She's like, time is running out. Um, oh, she's sca- oh, she's scared that the alien yeah. thing is going to happen. Right. Okay. And she's not allowed to really see him as much as she used to, even though she has seen him a few mm-hmm. times. Um, And she's like, how what's going to happen? You know, I'll be 16 before we know it. And so on August 10th, she, her parents wake up to find a note that said Jan was leaving and B had called Marianne and said, Jan, I'm sorry to, I thought the, the mom, Marianne had sent her off. Well, her father came and picked her up. Oh, sorry. I blanked out. You said that. (laughs) Sorry. Um, but she was only home for a few weeks after that before she disappeared again. And B called and said she ran away from home and she wouldn't tell me where she's going. And so that's what the story he's saying. It's like he doesn't know where she is either, that she just ran off. And Jan was missing about three weeks when B started his jail sentence. And he, for violating... They the police found out like that he saw her, and oh, so okay. he went to jail for violating that parole. But okay. he only spent ten days in jail. What good is the parole then? I know, yeah, stupid. Ugh. Um, he went to Salt Lake City after that in his motorhome and kind of disappeared. They don't really know. He kind of moved the motorhome around a lot. What um, about his wife and kids? Left him. Wasn't around. Said he was going to get divorced so he could marry Jan in the United States. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, They weren't officially divorced, but that's what he was saying was going to happen. Okay. So the FBI installed tape recorders on everyone's phones. Um, B called Marianne so often that they just, like, recorded every conversation but B kept insisting, like, I don't know where she is. I don't know where she is. And then he was claiming Jan had said she was getting money from prostitution. <gasps> and he was worried about her because that she was starting to go down that path because she was just trying to get money, living on her own at 14 years old. And this continued for three months of him calling and saying, I don't know where she is, but I keep getting calls from Jan. She's updating me on her life and blah, blah, blah. So she's missing for three months. Well, she is missing, but yeah. He knows where she is. He's lying this whole time. Yeah. No surprise. Yeah. yeah. And 90 days into her disappearance in November, the FBI found the motorhome. And they survey it. And they knock on his door. Jan is not there with him, but he has this shrine of pictures of her like everywhere and like this blown up poster of her hanging up. And they're like, we know yeah. you're in contact. She's not with you right here. So where is she? Yeah. Um, And so an agent sees B at a phone booth in Salt Lake City and he had left the phone book open to a number going to a Catholic girls school in California. Did he do that on purpose? I or- don't know. Because I'm like, how stupid are you? Yeah. But, yeah. I can't imagine he did it on purpose. I can't either. He doesn't want to be found. Right. He wants this whole thing a secret. So, so he the- slipped. Hmm? We can assume he slipped. Yeah. Yeah. So the FBI called this school 
and they didn't have a girl with Jan's name enrolled. And the FBI said, well, there's probably an alias being used. So this is what she looks like. Do you have anything, any girl that looks like her, blah, 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 that probably came, might, may have come to you in the last three months. And they discover she is there under this name, Janice Tobler. So the night of her second abduction, he came through her bedroom window, drove her to the school in California, and enrolled her as his daughter. Oh, that's right. He claimed to the nuns that were running the school that he was a CIA agent that had escaped (laughs) Lebanon and that her mother was killed, so she needed to be kept secret. And he said, suspicious, the nuns? Weren't the nuns suspicious? I don't know. I'm not sure. Like okay, sorry. But they told he told them like if people come asking questions about her, don't tell them anything because it's the bad guys that are after me because I'm a CIA yeah. agent. Yeah, and he had to work on his missions or whatever. But that he would come. He came every weekend to visit her. Mm. Um, so he's arrested again, and Jan is brought back home, but she's. This time she's very quiet and moody and depressed um, because she's just so worried about everything. And also, like, this up and down separation is a lot for mm-hmm. her. Um, and then on January 24th, Bob's flower shop that he owned was set on fire. And Jan oh. thinks it's her fault. Like, the aliens did it because of my failure to complete this mission. Right. Yeah. When in reality, B had hired two guys to burn it down, and actually a whole half block of the city burnt down with it. Yeah, that's right. So. And where does he get this money? I don't know. I don't get it. He's on the run. I'm not sure. Obviously, I think his wife, Gail, is helping pay for a lot of this stuff. <laughs> with whatever money they have yeah i just don't get it but well he's a master manipulator so i guess well the first couple times he was only in jail a couple days so he wasn't missing that much time and my thought is he could even have swindled the guys he so-called hired to burn oh oh i forgot his brother joe hired him to help at his car place so he was a car salesman his brother joe had given him a job oh that's it I forgot. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Um, did you say so, hold on? Yeah. Um, you could go ahead and talk. I just have to give dad something via text. Okay. Sorry. Um, so then in another joke of the justice system, he is acquitted due to mental handicap. Or whatever what yeah um not insanity but that they were like obviously he has he needs to be locked up in a mental facility because of issues that he has um so he was court ordered into a mental facility but was released after six months of being in that facility oh my god in june 1978 jan is about to turn 16 and B has less contact with her now. She thought maybe he was losing interest in her because she's older. Um, she's not so as young. Aware of the fact that he yeah. prefers youth or something. I don't know. There must be some kind of awareness if that's what she's. Yeah. I'm not sure if actually that was her in the documentary when she said that that was her thinking back on it or if she really thought that at that time. Okay. But yeah. Um, and Jan actually starts to like a boy in her class, but then she got scared that something would happen to him. She's like, I can't, I'm not supposed to talk to men and guys. And her, then her dog got sick and she was like, oh my God, this is punishment because I liked this boy, even though nothing happened. But then the dog recovered from their sickness and she was like, maybe this whole thing isn't real. And then she panics again, like, oh, my God, I just had that thought. Now they're going to punish me that I was doubting this. Mm -hmm. So she thinks if she doesn't get pregnant by her birthday, she's going to tell Susan about the mission. And if Susan doesn't want to continue to do the mission, 
then she's going to kill Susan and herself to save them. Like she is spiraling hardcore. Right. And I think I remember now the, the sisters being excited that she was back home, but they noticed such a big difference in her. Exactly. Yeah. She was not well. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And then her 16th birthday happened and nothing happened. You know, the, the world didn't end. Karen didn't go blind. Her dad didn't die. She wasn't vaporized. And Jan then really was like, oh, my, oh, my God, everything was a lie. And it starts to all, like, crash down on her. And but she's still a little unsure because she's believed this for so many years now. I think she didn't really think it. I don't know that she was completely convinced that it was a lie. Yeah. But it was like the doubt. So then she decided to tell her best friend Caroline and her sister Karen about it. And when she finally opened up and told them, they were like, what? Real. Like this thing you've been believing is, you know, him controlling you. And so they really try and convince her that it's not real what you're going through. And then they convince her to tell their parents so Jan finally tells the rest of her family everything. Um, and she said that, but through all the years, like before her abduction and after, the sexual encounters with him had to have been more than 200 times, she said. Yeah. It's horrifying. It's really. Yeah. Horrifying. Mm-hmm. And that's when she starts to recover, you know. Um, B doesn't really have much of a punishment, even though, but she starts to go to therapy. I I think our whole family started going to therapy and working it out with each other. And Marianne wrote a book about it. And she and Jan started giving talks and going to events and sharing their story. And he actually tried to come to a lot of her events. That's right. Yeah. And he started threatening them to make their lives miserable. And she's like, you already did. Like, what? And Jan filed a stalking claim. And they had to go to court because he contested it. And... The customary stalking injunction is three years, but the court ordered it for life, which is really unusual for those cases. They said, you cannot have any contact with Jan. But obviously, he violated this, and he showed up to this event that she was speaking at for BACA, which is Bikers Against Child Abuse. And She's a biker now? What? She's a biker? She's not, but she was speaking oh, at this event. Oh, okay. That they that they had. Yeah. So one of the members of Baca recognized him when he showed up. And as he was trying to flee, he ran over in his car. He ran over one of the members, one of the bikers, and then another biker jumped on the hood of his car to try and stop him. And Birchtold slammed on the brakes and this guy flew off. And he was okay, but he had some injuries. So Birchtold is arrested for this. Um, He had a gun on him. So he's charged with three felonies, possession of a firearm, aggravated assault, and um, things like that. And he knew he was not going to be able to live in prison. So before he... Bruh. Calm down. Um, but he knew he would not live in prison. Like, yeah. Either he didn't want to live that way or he thought he would get killed in prison. So he killed himself before Mm -hmm. his sentencing. And he took all of his heart medicine with rum at the same time. Ooh. Oh my gosh. I don't remember that at all. And so he never ended up really serving any time this crime Un- just paid un- for it with his life eventually but 
yeah mm, yeah I guess but wow I'm I just this is one of those that's just so hard to believe mm -hmm. it's I forgot some of it until you started talking about it the twist yeah. and turns the oh the family sorry fun. Yeah, go ahead. When Jan started giving her talks, six other women came up to her and said they were also abused as girls by him. And he actually was found guilty of rape of a child for one of those girls. Okay. And he had spent a year in jail for that. And Jan remembers like being really upset and advocating for a bigger sentence for that. But it didn't oh, work out. That being said, I, I thought I recalled that even to this day she has a fondness toward him and still cares for him no no she but doesn't she did at some point like she was so conflicted she why, why do I, I i think it's been a very very long time since she's felt that i think she did for a few years even after she knew the truth but not now Okay, sure. maybe I just couldn't get over that, and that's why it stuck like that. Like, it's just so shocking. Yeah, no, she definitely, definitely never felt that. Okay. Well, not never, but has not felt that. Yeah. Does not feel that now. However, she did, she did say she forgives her parents for everything. And she, no, she says he was a master manipulator, and they didn't know better. And... She forgives yeah, the, them. I think, too, the fact that her and her mother go and do these talks is shocking in itself because the mom repeatedly did really stupid things. Mm -hmm. How she could be on the other side of it completely is almost, like, unbelievable because of the fact that she repeatedly did things that were so appalling yeah i see i see milo is he licking my hair yeah. oh he's like pay attention to me i'm almost done i'm almost done okay <laughs> oh my gosh that's so <laughs> he's so fed up with me <laughs> he is absolutely begging for attention right oh now oh my god he does yeah. look like I've had enough. I have been <laughs> in the background. He's like, I'm patient. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well, yeah, I think it takes a lot for that whole family to forgive each other. Like her parents forgiving each other and. Yeah, you're right. Good point. That her forgiving them and her parents carry a lot of guilt and shame. They say it a lot in the documentary how they couldn't believe how stupid they um, call themselves like stupid and i that would be really hard to live with especially I, if she didn't forgive them that would be even harder harder well, I, I have to say i mean even to just put themselves out there for this documentary and for the mom to be doing the talks with the daughter i mean that's embarrassing yeah because they do look stupid because they were stupid i'm sorry mm -hmm. it's beyond naive yeah it, well easy for us to i guess easy for me to say that now right but yeah you would never believe yourself to be able to be manipulated like that but you never you know but at the same time yeah. on my podcast with tracy we have an episode where she and i disagree completely and i think the that i was insisting well she, no you know what she was saying that the power of manipulation and brainwashing is so powerful that almost anything can happen like that and i was saying yeah but we're also given the sense of most people have a sense of that's odd that's wrong yeah and I mean, I have to say, I've been in situations that are, um, well, how do I put this? Where manipulation and, and brainwashing was possible, but there's a sense of it's something's not right here, you know, yeah. this intuition. But 
I don't know. I guess I'm conflicted on that too, because look what happened with them. I mean, and people can stand by and say that would never happen with me. And maybe they're right. Yeah. You know, we talked about this thing that in the fifties, a, it was an experiment and the doctor that did it, I forget his name, wanted to see how was it possible that Hitler was able to get all these um, soldiers to do the things that he had them do. And he used like fear and persuasion, whatever. It was an experiment. And a lot of straightforward people did fall under, like they thought it was for the greater good. Yeah. And they were able to be manipulated because it was for the greater good. Um, and that's how that's how people get people. Yeah, Casey do- and I have talked, I think we're talking about the same. Yeah. Test. We we talked about that as well. Yes, you did. Yeah. Yes, you did. That's right. The authority test. Yeah. They yes. were told to like shock these people when they got wrong answers and stuff like that. And you would think people wouldn't do that, but they were afraid like this authority had told them to do it. So yes, you're right. Yeah. I don't know. But not everybody was convinced. A lot were. Yeah. But there some like I can't keep doing this. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So, well, that was fun. Yeah. Thanks for listening. As always, everybody. Yeah. Thank you, Emily, for presenting and just as usual making me go, oh my gosh. That, <laughs> yeah. well we'll see you next time and stay tuned for our next episode yes bye everybody